Welcome to the Multiply Group Podcast, where we believe if you can make leadership development intentional, it can be reproducible, and when it's reproducible, it becomes unstoppable. I'm your host, Mac Lake, and I'm thrilled to be joined by my oldest son, Brandon Lake, a global recording artist, songwriter, and worship leader. Now, one of the most profound places I've witnessed leadership multiplication is within my own family. And in this unique series, Brandon and I are going to dive into some fun topics like health, creativity, family, family dynamics, leadership, and more. Whether you're a seasoned leader or you're just starting your journey, you're in for insightful conversations that go beyond the surface. Welcome to our special limited series, Generational Leadership. One of the things I admire about you is your leadership, Hmm. Uh, the way you lead your family, your kids. I've been in rooms with you, like pre-service, and I watch you lead your team. I have been walking down the hall with you where you introduce me to somebody Mm. on your team, and you always elevate that individual. (laughs) And you lead with skill, but you also lead with spirit. And so I'm just curious, tell me about your leadership journey. Obviously, I know... I know much of it, but there yeah. are parts I don't know. So yeah. tell me about your leadership journey. How did you grow into a leader? Wow. Well, thank you for saying that. I mean, most of it I've picked up from you, you know? <laughs> I mean, you've modeled it so well. Um, and I was jokingly going to say, well, I just want people around me to like me. So I just elevate them, you know? <laughs> uh, but hey, hey, I'm glad you give me credit. I, I, I don't feel like I should take any credit for anything uh, I know I tried to help you as a leader when you were young because I would say, hey, Brandon, if you read this Andy Stanley book, Next Generation Leader, I will give you 20 bucks. Hey, Brandon, if you read this John Maxwell book, I'll give you 20 bucks. Yeah. If you read this, I'll give you 20 bucks. Did I, was I, telling did a kid, I do it ever? I, I was telling a 10-year-old kid this story the other day, Matt's son, yeah, yeah, Joseph, yeah, yeah. I was telling him this story. I said, Joseph, you know how much Brandon made over those few years? He went, how much? I said, zero. <laughs> he didn't make a penny. And I would tell you again and again, leaders are readers. Leaders are readers. Yeah. And I couldn't get you to read for anything. Yeah. Well, I we turned that from leaders are readers into leaders are learners. I just... <laughs> I like learning. There you go. I don't want to do it through reading. Podcast. You know, it's funny, actually, but that is, if you, if I really pay attention to how I learn, it's with people. Yeah. Like, it's being around people, and that is the leadership. If you summarize, why am I the leader I am today? It's people. I mean, and that's why discipleship is so important. Spending time with people, rubbing shoulders with greatness, and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, that's who's made me who I am today it's been growing up around you and hearing john maxwell in the car and that was audible so that was better than me reading it was at least i was like hearing stuff and yeah but then it's also like who who i have served you know i think to be a great leader like you really have to figure out how to be a great servant it's what a leader is what a shepherd is it's a servant and i think god has given me so many incredible opportunities to be under great leaders that it's almost been caught more than taught, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's really important too, that not only should we feed from multiple sources, like read the book, mm-hmm. listen to the podcast, um, you know, do all the things, like listen to those sermons, like study it, but like 
there's nothing like catching it. Yeah. When you mention walking through the halls and, and introducing you and elevating people, I do that only because I've seen you do that. Mm -hmm. There is not a single room that you won't walk in and ask people questions and yeah. find out their story a little bit more and then like praise them on certain stuff. Like, man, yeah. that, that took a lot to like go through that. And man, what like you really um, make people see uh, the best about themselves and, and mm -hmm. elevate them. And I, I think that's so beautiful. And who doesn't want to hear about themselves, the good parts of, about right. themselves, you know? Yeah. And uh, man, people will follow you when you do that too, you know, yeah. like, um, and because then that makes them become a better version of their self that, you know, they, and oh, so, man. but I think that, um, you know, my leadership journey, journey is, um, I've picked up different things from different people. Um, you know, I remember being here at, at Seacoast and they pulled me on staff at what, 17 or 18? Yeah. 18. <clears throat> and pretty quickly into that, um, they gave me the college ministry to run with um, when it came to worship. Hmm. And I had the, the pastor over the college ministry, which was called The Well, Was he had also been my pastor during my like high school years. Mm -hmm. And so we had such an amazing relationship. And honest, if I'm honest, he's the guy who I called when I was too afraid to tell you what I did. <laughs> yeah. Ernest Smith. Yeah. He's who I call and be like, hey, I messed up, you know. And he he was that. And um and he man, he shaped me and he pulled the best out of me. And we he just let me run with this this college ministry when it came to yeah. worship. And I was so like fresh and just cut my teeth and had no idea what I was doing. But I was so passionate, maybe almost too passionate. I was fiery, <laughs> so fiery. And, uh, and he just let me run with it. And he would ask me what I was dreaming about and what was, what was going well at other places and what yeah. songs did I love. And just, he let me go, yeah. you know? And he, he let me uh, build a team and, and bring my friends in, you know? And he was the one who was teaching me how to have those conversations with him when kind of, you know, stuff hit the fan. and like gosh my team's falling apart like how do i have these conversations how do i keep them accountable like all these things i'm just brand new to all yeah. i knew was worship music but i didn't know how to lead people yeah. and he helped me uh put a, a team together and then um he helped me learn how to lead a room you know mm. and uh there's so much of worship leadership i learned um through having that playground and having a place to fail and it'd be okay, you know? Yeah. Um, and so he really shaped me. I remember he'd always say, um, he'd really encourage me to create wow moments each night, huh. you know? Whether with people or in the experience to create wow moments. And uh, it's like you taught me, like how do I, in, every, in everything that I do, how do I make it 1% better every time, right. you know? Yeah. And that really shaped me and that, he pushed me to continue to be a learner and, and to grow. Um, and then I think about when I, I left Seacoast and I went to uh, LifePoint Church, there was a season where I knew God, it felt like I, kinda, I had kind of hit a ceiling and I knew God had to get me out to get me some things. Mm -hmm. And we call my four years in Virginia, my college experience, my college mm -hmm. ministry, you know, my... Yeah. You didn't go to college. I didn't go to college. college. No, that yeah. College. For anybody listening, I did not go to college. I did go to college for three months, and uh, I think I went to the mall more days. <laughs> that was across the street than I actually went to to school. 
Um, but I go there and they slap the title worship pastor um, on my job. Mm. It wasn't ordained or anything. This could get controversial. But <laughs> I remember asking Josh Lazar was my boss. And I was like, hey, man, I don't think I should. I don't think I should go by worship pastor. I'm not a pastor. And he's like, no, that's what we're going to call you. That's your title. It's because that's how you're operating in this position. You're pastoring people. And he's like, what do you think a pastor is? And I was like, uh, and in different words, I basically said the person that has all the right answers, you know, mm. or he said, you probably think it's this. And he's like, man, I think a pastor is somebody who's just available, like available. Mm. Mm. I remember thinking, and I'll pastor so much more than that, right? But he's like, man, I think it's, I think what you can be in this season is be available to people. He's like, you're good with people. You know how to connect with them. Like you're lovable. Like yeah. you just need to like, like point them to Jesus, like be available, listen to them, you know, yeah. and and uh, and point them to Jesus. And, and I was like, okay, I can do that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And not only in that season did he uh, pull me higher and help me understand really what a leader was, a shepherd was. Um, I learned so many like really practical, you know, characteristics characteristics of a great leader, someone who's disciplined. And mm -hmm. uh, like, how do I maintain a schedule, put a schedule together? How do I be on time? How do I take notes? Like a yeah. good leader takes notes, you know, like leans in, gets yeah. there early, sits close, you know? Um, so many different things that I had. Uh, it was like here at Seacoast in those early years, I was just like wild and trying anything and everything, having fun. And then, and those my my life point experiences like really where I learned to be professional, like uh, yeah. professionalism, and and how to really carry myself. And so, uh, Josh really pulled out um, a better version of me in that season. Yeah. Josh is a remarkable leader. There's a, a story I tell every church I go to when I'm doing the leadership pipeline training. I tell the Josh Lazar story. Yeah. And so you were on staff up there. They invited me to come up and do a leadership training with the staff. And I was there over a weekend. <clears throat> so um, you guys were in, I think, two high schools at this point. Yeah. You had to be there at like four in the morning. Oh, it was miserable. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> tractor trailers pull up to both schools, yeah. unload, set up this entire, I don't know what iMag means, but iMag, yeah, yeah. you know, technology yeah. Yeah. and computers and all Fiber this. Fiber optic cables that we were syncing the campuses together, like it, unreal. Crazy, crazy. And Josh was over the worship area. He wasn't the worship leader, but he was over all the creative yeah. and stuff at that point. And uh, so I was there that weekend and that Sunday morning, Josh said, hey, why don't you follow me around? Yeah. I said, okay. And I'm thinking, follow you around, dude. You're you're responsible for this whole thing, the weekend experience, and you sure are awful relaxed right now. You know, yeah. I'm thinking this. Yeah. And we're walking up and down the halls. He's drinking his coffee, and service starts, and he's walking me in, show open up doors, showing me all these videos and TVs and all this equipment, and we go through the entire service. He and I just chat, and he's drinking his coffee. Service ends, he said, hey, come back here with me. So we go backstage. There's about 25 people in black shirts. And he looks at me, leans against the back wall and goes, watch this. <laughs> Just drink his coffee. 
And this lady stands up and she says, all right, everybody, great job. And she tells a story about some lady that was at the first service and it's her first time ever to church and she was broken and crying. And, mm. and she said, here's what we did well. What were some of the misses and did some hits and misses? Here's yeah. what we need to adjust, blah, 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 blah. And I was going, wow, this is impressive. Yeah. And then he looked at me and said, all volunteers. Yeah. And I love telling worship pastors that story. Yeah. Because we think we have to be the chief, chief doer yeah. versus the chief developer. And Josh was the chief developer. Wow. He developed yeah, people he to do the work of the ministry. And, and so I tell, I tell staff members all the time, your job on Sunday morning is walk around and drink coffee. Yeah. And let the saints do the work of the ministry. Yeah. Empower leaders around you. Yeah. He was a, he was a phenomenal leader. Yeah. I'm glad. I love that you learned. He would say um, often, uh, don't say people's uh, no for them. You know, yeah. We we have this idea like before we ask that oh. people don't want to be involved. They they don't want to do it, or it's too much. Yeah. And uh, and so we say they're no for him. We never make the ask. And he's like, man, make the ask. And that's what he oh. that's what he did. And he he assembled an army because not only uh, well, I mean, he knew how much they would come alive getting their hands on the net and yeah. being a part of something bigger than themselves. Yeah. You're so right. I'm seeing this. Again, every church I'm working with, they're scared to ask people. Well, people are so busy. They have young children. Uh, they're in travel ball. They're, I mean, it's all these excuses, so they're not even asking. And go, yeah, we don't have enough leaders. I was studying the call of Matthew, the call of Levi the other day, who's also named Matthew. And I was studying that passage, and it's pretty fascinating because... Jesus had moved to Capernaum. He'd been living in Capernaum where Matthew lived. Mm -hmm. Jesus had been living there about four or five months. He had done some miracles. Popularity was growing. Capernaum had 1,500 people. Yeah. That's how many people lived there. Right. It's right on the Sea of Galilee. And so Matthew is a tax collector. He was a port tax collector, which is the worst type of tax collector. If you're a land tax collector, you are, you know, giving, you're charging people tax for their property, for their livestock, all that sort of it's standard percentages. Uh -huh. But he's on the docks where people from all around the Sea of Galilee and people from other countries are bringing in their goods. He can tax them whatever he wants. Right. This guy's making bank. And, and, and Capernaum was the number one out of 15, about 14, 15 ports on Sea of Galilee. They were the number one port. Hmm. So he's tax collector, raking in a bunch of money. And rabbis said of tax collectors that they were worse than robbers and thieves. <laughs> they were excommunicated from the synagogue. These guys were bad. Yeah. And he was the worst of the worst. He was a, a, a port tax collector. So take that. You got this guy who is disqualified from yeah. any religious standing yeah. whatsoever. Right. And Jesus has been in town. He's been hearing, you know, Matthew's hearing the stories. And one day Jesus approaches him at Matthew's point of greatest vulnerability mm. at the tax booth and says, follow, follow me. me. Follow me. Mm. And, and Matthew did. It says he left everything and followed him. We think people disqualify themselves for a whole host of reasons. Wow. But Jesus did not allow Matthew to disqualify himself. Mm. He thought, I'm unforgivable. Mm. But here's what's crazy. If you look at that passage, it says, after this, Jesus went down and, and approached it. After what? It was after the four men lowered the paralytic yeah. through the roof. And what did Jesus say to the paralytic? He said, 
your sins are forgiven. Yeah. That happened literally maybe 100 yards from Matthew's tax booth. Word would have spread very quickly. This crazy healing uh -huh. rabbi yeah. just forgave somebody. <laughs> that doesn't happen. You're not allowed to do that. Yeah. Matthew heard that story and thought, perhaps I could be forgiven too. Whoa. So here's what God's doing. God's doing a work in this man's life. Wow. Jesus makes the ask. Mm. God's doing work in people's lives, yeah. calling them to step into leadership. But if we don't have the guts to make the ask, yeah. how are they gonna have the opportunity to step into the calling? Yeah. And so I, that one drives me crazy. I, I think if we're, if we're praying, yeah. God's gonna put somebody on our heart that's gonna cause us to approach them yeah. and say, I see something in you. Mm. I wanna ask you to pray yeah. about such and such. Because when you make an invitation, it forces them into a conversation. Mm. And now it forces them into conversation with God. Yeah. God, do you want me to do that? Yeah. So you always approach them and say, would you pray about doing, yeah. stepping into this leadership? Yeah. Forces them into a conversation where they have to deal with God on that. Yeah, that's so Let good. Let them say, and sometimes God tells them no. Yeah, right. I think there's other fears around bringing people along with you and raising up leaders. You know, a fear of, uh, you know, Josh, talking about using Josh's story, he had to be okay with the job not being done as good as he would have yeah. done it, potentially. Yeah. yeah. And um, there's the fear, you know, of, of it won't get done or it won't get done right. Um, and uh, if you don't ever extend that that opportunity, that invitation, then um, you're never gonna ever see anybody underneath your leadership rise above where you're at and yeah. make it even better, you know? And I want to be the kind of leader that people stand on my shoulders. Yeah. And it might be that they're first by my, by my ankles, you uh -huh. know? But I wanna, I want to, and like, you have to be okay with them failing and them, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think that in some ways there's people I'm standing on their shoulders. Mm -hmm. um, they, but at first, they had to put up with a lot of me figuring it out, yeah. you know? Yeah. And uh, we have conversations often now where they're, where, um, where they're just so proud of where, where I am. And, yeah. and I'm saying, man, thank you. I, I would never be here if it wasn't for you giving me yeah. a shot. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people are maybe even afraid of that, Pe people becoming better than them and taking their position. We say it all the time in ministry, mm -hmm. your job is to work yourself out of your job. I don't see many people doing that. Mm -hmm. It's just more comfortable and safe and like keeping your job and keeping people a bit lower than you <clears throat> yeah. instead of raising up people to where you're like, yo, I remember one point in, in my leadership where um, I, I can actually say I positioned somebody to do a job way better than me. Mm -hmm. um, there's probably been other, other, but like it was so evident and I had to step out. I was leading all these campuses mm -hmm. and some things, other things were going on in my life where I just didn't have, didn't have all this time. And luckily I, I saw it months out and I'm like, I can't do one-on-ones with mm -hmm. 13 campuses mm -hmm. with all these opportunities. And we felt the grace to go and say yes and, and travel and to start leading worship elsewhere and taking these opportunities. And I was like, I can't can't stay in this role. And I've noticed somebody on my team that was so good with people. Mm. And so over the next few months, I remember uh, I would have him do a little bit more of the team meetings. Yeah. And then I'd say, hey, why don't you take over these two one-on-ones? And then he'd start meeting with them, the campuses that were closer to his campus. Yeah. And then baby steps, yeah. right? 
started to hand that over uh, little by little. And then man, by the time he just took my job, it was like everyone had already been going to him. Like everyone had already been looking to him. Yeah. He was thriving. He came alive. Honestly, yeah. if that had never happened, we would have lost him yeah. because he was such a great leader. Yeah. And I think that's something too. Is like if you never give people the opportunity, you're gonna lose them. Oh, you're gonna lose them. You're yeah. gonna lose them. And man, I can share that from personal testimony. Like my, mm. there's there's been times where I think you know, and hopefully this doesn't come across like cocky or anything, but like. You know, people have lost me because I just, I'm bored. I'm a creative. Right. Like, you know, I, I and I want to, and I'm, I'm, I'm driven. I'm hungry. And so, you know, if I'm only given so much, at some point, I'm gonna look elsewhere. You know, and, uh, and so that's you know. But failure is incredible fertilizer for development. Yeah. But if we're intimidated by other people's failure, we're not gonna give them the freedom to lead. Yeah. And. <clears throat> I love that you're bringing this up because I think so many people in ministry find their identity in their ministry. Mm. So I remember when I first started preaching, it was at Polly's Island. And, you know, I would preach maybe once a month. And preaching was my passion back then, you know. So I wanted to do it well. And yeah. I poured everything into it. And so i get up there on a Sunday morning and I'd preach my heart out. And as I would preach, I'm scanning the audience. You know, I'm looking at who's responding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking for the people that are taking notes, the people that are smiling Lord, and all that. Anyone, please. Anybody, please. Yeah, the, if somebody was sleeping, it would kill me. Yeah. But as soon as church ended, you know, I would casually walk over to those that were smiling because I knew who my dealers were. Wow. Like, hey, can you give me some approval? I, hey man, how you doing today? Because yeah. I know they're going to look at me and go, Waiting "Hey, that was thing. a great sermon today." Yeah. Oh my gosh! And I knew the people who would give me what I needed Dang. because my identity was so tied into my ministry. Wow! And here's what I've discovered, and and that's a battle. I mean, it's such a battle because we find value in it. Yeah. But when my identity is so deeply tied to my ministry, mm. then all of a sudden I become a consumer of my ministry. Mm. I need my ministry to fuel my identity. Dangerous. It's a dangerous place to be. Hmm. And if that's the case, if I need my ministry to fuel my identity, I will never hmm. let anybody else touch it. Yeah. I will never let it develop anybody else yeah. to do it yeah. because I find my value in that place and, yeah. and doing that thing. That's It's a scary place to be. Well, one of the valuable, um, uh, sorry, let me say that again. Well, one of the moments of my life where I've, I've seen that play out. Um, I would not be here today uh, or, you know, doing records and traveling the nation if it wasn't for uh, my pastor here at Seacoast. Mm -hmm. And he has modeled that for me uh, better than anyone else. I, would, I call it like leading open-handed. And he's never been threatened by what I've got going on and what God's doing in my life. In fact, he's championed it and yeah. he is, he's, he's breathed on it. And he's, he's like, whatever you need. He's like, we love what God's doing with yeah. you right now. Not only did he invest in me before all this stuff happened, but now um, that there are a whole lot of things that I'm doing that don't have the title Seacoast on them. Mm -hmm. It's not a Seacoast thing. It's a kingdom thing or it's yeah. a branded thing. Yeah. He counts it as a win for the church. Like he's yeah. like, man, you're a son of the house. Like we love you and we just want God's best for you. 
and he's never been threatened by it. And I, would, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. And he has made so much space uh, for me to grow. And here's the beautiful thing about it. And, and he's smart. Because yeah. he knows when I go outside yeah. and I travel the country, I learn things. And yeah. where am I coming home to? Yeah. Where am I bringing those lessons? Where am I bringing that gold? I'm bringing it back home. I'm like, mm-hmm. and so we have conversations when I get back from traveling and I'm, I'm, I'm leading with Elevation and I'm out with Maverick City and, and I'm ex- having all these experiences. And that's one thing that I've had to do too as a good student and leader is, is make sure I'm bringing those lessons back mm-hmm. and that I'm putting them into practice that I'm, yeah. I'm, bring, I'm actually you know, bringing value back to the house. And uh, so we maintain that amazing relationship. And, you know, and um, I come home and say, man, I learned this here and I learned yeah. this there. And he's like, ah, I love that. That's yeah. amazing. And too many uh, leaders, I think they're like, I don't know if I see worth in it unless it's titled my ministry. You know, if it's yeah. not. Um, but I love that you know, Pastor Josh is such, he's a kingdom leader. If it's a win for the kingdom, it's a win, to, a win for him, you know. Here's what's crazy is, <laughs> you know, years ago when I was on staff here and I was doing the leadership development, all of a sudden I'm getting invited to speak all around the country. And I went into Greg, Greg is Josh's dad. You yeah. Know? I go into his office and I said, Greg, I've been traveling a lot. I've been gone a lot. You know, if I need to dial it back, you know, I will, I understand. He said the same thing to me. Yeah. So Josh's dad, you know, it's like, yeah. no, you keep doing it because every time you go, you're bringing value back to us and you're learning and that's going to benefit yeah. us. So he led me with open-handed and yeah. I, I wouldn't be where I'm at today, you know, helping churches yeah. uh, around the country and other countries to, to develop leaders if it wasn't for that open-handed leadership. Yeah. He wasn't threatened by it. Hey, we hope you're enjoying these conversations. You know, so many of our discussions seem to come back to being intentional about personal growth. So if you're looking to grow, the Multiply Group team wants to give you a free resource from our brand new training called Leadership Accelerator. This resource provides a step-by-step guide to creating your own personal growth plan to help you grow as a leader. So check out the show notes or visit multiplygroup.org forward slash personal growth to get access. Now, back to this episode. Who are some other leaders that have um, made a huge impact on your life and who you aspire to be like? Wow, okay, that's who I aspire to be like. Yeah, And and why. Yeah, I'll start with that one. Okay. One of my life verses is Psalm 78, 72. It's talking about David, and it says, David shepherded them with a uh, pure mm-hmm. heart and guided them with skillful, skillful hands. hands. Yeah. yeah. And so I look at that and go, <clears throat> all right, David was a leader who had leadership spirit and leadership skill. Yeah. And if you have leadership spirit but do not have leadership skill, people are going to follow you for a while because they go, man, Mac's yeah. a nice guy. I like yeah. Mac. He's nice. Yeah. But then they go, Mac's not taking us anywhere. <laughs> you know, so I'm not going to follow him anymore. Yeah. If you have leadership skill but not leadership spirit, mm. people go, man, I'm impressed by you. I love where you're taking us. This is great. Mm. But after a while, you feel like, oh, wait a minute. I'm just a cog in his machine. Yeah. So that's what made David a great leader wow. is he had leadership spirit and leadership skill. Mm. Leadership spirit, Bill Johnson. Yeah, I've never met Bill, but you introduced me to to him when you started, you know, uh, traveling yeah. with Bethel, and so I started listening to some of his sermons, and 
the spirit of that man. Yeah. I've never seen anybody who wants to be more like Jesus than him. Mm. His humility, his passion and love for the word, mm. the depth of some of the things he teaches rocks me. Mm. I was just telling mom the other day, I can't listen to more than eight minutes of a Bill Johnson sermon at a time. <laughs> yeah, right? Because it's too rich. And so I started- Every sentence oh, is yeah. like, uh, what? I start YouTubing Bill Johnson short sermon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get these eight minutes. So I pulled up an eight minute one the other day. I yeah. could only listen to two and a half minutes. Yeah. Because it was so rich. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta sit in this. Yeah. I gotta think about this. Yeah. I gotta meditate on this. It Hold just, on, let me stop you right there and say, yeah. Why I think it is is because he has spent time with the Father. He oh. has spent time with Jesus. Yeah. A lot of leaders are looking to other leaders who are only going to fall short of who Jesus is, his yeah. leadership. We look to other leaders and go, oh, I'll just imitate him. And there's, there's something great about that. Let me yeah. imitate this great leader. Right, right. But if that takes precedence over your time with the Father, with Jesus, with, yeah. the, with the Holy Spirit, and learning Jesus' leadership, it's never going to be that dense. Oh. It's only going to ever be yeah. a little bit less than what a that faded photocopy. A faded photocopy. Yeah. So good. And so that's what I love about him is that you know, like he, he's not doing a rip off of some other pastor he heard a clip of on TikTok or whatever. Oh, he's wow. like, no, he has been diving deep. Direct download. Direct download. From God. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I see his passion to be like Jesus and that's what I want. And you know, mm. Uh, 18 months ago, it was January of 2021. I said, oh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a study through the Gospels for 30 days. I think it was Gospel Mark. Before 30 days were up, the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 no. I want you to do a three-year study of the life of Christ. Wow. And so I'm 18 months into a three-year study of the life of Christ. And it's, he's not allowing me to do anything outside that. Because I'm like, at my age, hmm. I'm frustrated. I'm angry that I haven't studied Jesus more. Hmm. If I could go back, all scripture is important, but I, I wish I would have done an intense study of the life of Christ at an earlier age hmm. so I could imitate him better. And when you study through the Gospels, there's... There's throwback reflections. They're called remes. It's references. Sometimes it's a short little phrase, but it's a reference back to an Old Testament passage, yeah. which takes you through the vastness of the Old Testament as well. Yeah. Um, but but I, I, that's why I say Bill, because hmm. he's a man who I see pursuing Jesus. I know a lot of men pursuing Jesus, but yeah. I just, he pursues Jesus in a very unique way. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. How about you? Man, it's such a hard question. I hate that I threw it out because now I'm going to answer it. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I don't think there's anybody I want to be more like uh, in this world than you. Mm. Um, I, I truly mean that. Um, but I don't think anyone listening wants to just hear us dote over each right. other the whole time. Right. Um, but I, I really mean that um, because, you know, you, I don't know anybody who, who goes after God harder than you do. Mm. Um, every time I'm over at the house, it's almost like, okay, I can't take anymore. You're always teaching me what you just learned. Like you're mm. all, you're like, if there's ever been a learner, it's you. Mm. And anyone has ever been just so hungry for God, it's you. I've never seen it better modeled and, and lived out. 
You know, and then there's aspects of just people along. You know, my journey is very different than other people's. I've not been stuck in one house, yeah. uh, one church the whole time. It's yeah. like God has, God has given me aspects of different leaders as I've gone along the journey. You know, Tasha Cobbs prophesied over me uh, before anything happened. Hmm. And she said, Brandon, um, I was at her conference, like the only white dude there. It was <laughs> the most incredible experience. And uh, this was when Maverick City was a, a, a new thing, not even titled yet. We weren't, it was just writing songs. And I'd written a song with Tasha and I go to her conference and she got a word for me and she said, Brandon, God has given you a voice for not a church, but the church. Mm. I began to, to, to talk to the Lord about that. And I'm like, what does that mean? And I heard the Lord say, pay attention where I'm, I'm taking you. Mm. I should say, pay attention to where I'm bringing you. And he brought me to the UK. And he had just taken me to Tasha's conference. Right. Uh, very, you know, obviously like 99.9% African-American experience, right? Very gospel, go to the UK, very spirit heavy. Uh, they're not afraid of the gifts of the spirit. It was wild experience. I mean, I, I could do a whole podcast <laughs> on, ju on just my experience, you know? Yeah. And then um, I'm raised in this church that is, you know, charismatic with the seatbelt on really, really tight, right, you know? Yeah. And then I signed to this label sh really short after that's like madly charismatic and yeah. Pentecostal and, and like, and I, I, I'm like, just like talking to the Lord and he's like, man, like my church, my, my children, they speak a different language in different places of the country mm. or in, in different places in the world. And if you're yeah. going to be a voice for the church, I want you to understand their language. Wow. And that kind of changed so much to where I felt more of like a, um, a permission to, in every environment, learn something from somebody like pick up on why yeah. why does a gospel gospel church why do they teach the tithe this way yeah. and why do we teach it this way that like I want to understand how we see these things differently you know so you're learning from it not judging it not judging it no yeah. I'm going yeah. what I'm doing is I'm eating the meat and spitting out the bones yeah I'm yeah. going what can I take from this you know um, what do I love about this how can I apply this to my life what's the great what are some great leadership principles here that I can take and and it uh, doesn't mean I have to be exactly like them, but if right. I can, and you've taught me that, if I, can, if I can learn, take the gold from all these different people, you know, you've taught me to, you know, to be a great leader, you gotta be a great learner. You, you challenged me at a young age to, and especially as my artistry started taking off, you said, man, three people you look up to every year, reach out to them and ask to meet with them, yeah. you know? Yeah. And even if one says yes, you, know, yeah. you were like, everybody loves talking about themselves. So just ask them if you can pick their brain and, you know, and. I remember your response. Dad, Yeah. nobody's yeah. gonna answer my call. No nobody's gonna respond to my email. I said, you'll be surprised. I reach, was, out, reach out to your heroes. They'll, some of them will say yes. I was terrified to start, yeah. but I'll never forget when I got a call. And honestly, God's been so kind to send them my way mm -hmm. to where I haven't had to like, yeah. you know, ask, but there's, there's been some that came both ways, but you know, David Leonard came into my life, mm -hmm. um, who is a producer, songwriter, artist. Um, and he wrote greater you Lord, which is probably one of the biggest Christian songs that will ever mm -hmm. have been sung. Mm -hmm. Everybody and their mama tags it in a worship set, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and one, you know, I look up to him and so much because of the way he just, he makes everything slow down 
and he mm. really looks at you and he asks great questions mm. and he's just like I would take the the brother aspect of his leadership and how and I've heard that about Jesus that wow. um, that um, people who are really close and feel like like that almost like there's this aspect of like it might even sound weird, but like he's like a brother, like right. Yeah. He sticks closer than a brother, right? Yeah. And and that's something that David has really modeled for me. That I think I'm I'm not amazing at. I I'm so driven that I want to just get to the next thing, and yeah. I can often overlook people, yeah. you know. And he's forced me to slow down and value the relationship over the product, because I mm-hmm. came to him for product. Yeah. Like let's let's make something together. And still to this day, no matter how much we make, he's always like, this conversation is priority. This mm. this is why we're here. This mm. is why we're on this earth. And don't you believe that brings better results? One million percent. I was just with, I was teaching a group of, of business leaders uh, in, up in Aiken, South Carolina. And it was, it's a large company. And they took uh, 30 of their next-gen leaders. Mm. All of them were 32 and under. Wow. And put them through a, a, I got to do a leadership course with them. And when I walked up there, I said, all right, I'm 61. You guys are all under, basically under 30. Pretend I'm your boss. What do you want me to know about you? Mm. What do you want me to know about your generation? Wow. Well, all of their bosses are like 60s and 70s, right? Yeah. They unleashed. Wow. It was crazy. And the number one dominant thing that came out mm. is they just want results. They don't care about the relationship. And what I've discovered, if you nurture the relationship, you're going to get better come. results. you yeah. got to be patient yeah. with the relationship. Yeah. And, and the results will come. Because it's better to do something together, you know? It is, it is. And man, if, yes, if I could say anything, it, the joy of doing something together mm. and watching that younger leader or older leader, whatever, mm-hmm. but somebody who probably wouldn't have done that had you <laughs> yeah. not pulled them into it and gone, yes. let's do this together. Yes. Watching them accomplish that oh. and it be a success and learning from it and going, what can we do different? Like all of that. There is a joy in that yeah. that will never will always beat writing the song by yourself. Yeah. Uh, you know, leading the thing by yourself. Yeah. Uh, there is no joy like seeing raising somebody else up and seeing them like doing something together. Yeah. Like what's the saying? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Yeah. And I like I'm a product of that. Like mm-hmm. so much, like, man, um, people have spent um, an annoyingly long amounts of time with me listening to my stuff yeah. uh, and and shaping me and molding me. Yeah. And I think one of the hard parts about bringing people along with you is that it's just messy and it takes time. Yeah. And I'm trying to, as a leader, learn to value slowing it down getting in the mess mm-hmm. and putting the results aside yeah. and caring more about the person than the product yeah. Yeah. and seeing what God does there. Yeah. And, 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 it's, and it's, not, it's not relationship over results. It's not results over relationship. Mm. It, it's the merging of the two together. 
it's find a coupling together is what makes it strong. Yeah. Because there's there are some that value relationships so much that they end up, they don't get results. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. I, I think there's a there's a harmony that has to be found there. Yeah. That that bring that brings God joy. Yeah. Because obviously he cares about results. Yeah. You know, but yeah, he also modeled relationships very strongly. There's too. leaders I've learned from that they have such an anointing and uh, such a skill and the motivation mm. is just not there. Yeah. And that's one thing I've, I've unfortunately learned from some leaders that how to not to do it, you know, and that's okay. So I don't know if you remember this. All right. Well, I know you remember this. You were at Sonic. You were working for Sonic and your man. Why you got to tell the people that? <sighs> My first job ever. Your first job ever. Your manager was terrible. Oh. You come home after a week and you said, "Hey, Dad, I want to quit. I want to quit Sonic. It's terrible." And you gave me a long list of yeah. reasons why. And I looked at you and I said, "Oh, yeah, that's bad. That's bad. Oh, yeah, nobody should be able to have to work under that yeah. those conditions. And that's horrible. That's a bad leader. But you're not allowed to quit." Yeah. I said, "You have to work there three months. Then you're allowed to quit. But I want you to learn what it's like to work for a bad leader. Yeah. Because that's going to teach you so much. Yeah. And and you, you you committed to that. You didn't stay three months. Yeah. Because of his bad leadership. Yeah. You got fired. I got fired. <laughs> <laughs> he sent another I, kid in to fire you. <laughs> yo, a 15 year old kid calls me on the phone." And uh, I think Jamal was his name. And I pick up the phone, I'm like, hey, he's like, hey, it's Jamal. And I'm like, uh, oh, hey, what's up, bro? And he's like, hey, um, yeah, Tom wanted me to let you know, man, you fired. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what, is this a joke? Or are you like serious? He's like, no, nah, man, like, yeah, you fired. And I was like, oh. okay, so, all right, oh. later, bro, you know? That's hilarious. <laughs> and a 15 year old call me and fire me. Oh. So here's a question I've been wrestling with uh, recently, it's what's it like to work for me? What's mm. it like to be led by me? Yeah. I think that's a question more people need to ask. Yeah, and really look in the mirror and be honest with. And so <clears throat> that question led me. I, I put this on my Instagram the other day. Uh, six things I want my team to say about me. I'm wow. just gonna read it. Beautiful. Be- because I work for you, I have a closer relationship with God. Because I work with you, I'm constantly being challenged and growing in my leadership skills. Because I work for you, I get to operate in my areas of strength. Hmm. Because I work for you, I feel I'm a part of something bigger than myself. Because I work for you, I know my voice is heard, understood, and valued. Because I work for you, I'm better able to maintain a work-life balance that benefits my family. Wow. That's what I want my team to say about me. Wow. And... I think sometimes leaders need to define, we just accept the leader we are versus continuing to grow into the leader God wants us to be. Mm. You know, Blaze, your son Blaze and I were sitting watching the Chiefs game yeah. uh, yesterday. He came over and so we're sitting there watching the Chiefs game and, and the commentator said, Patrick Mahomes is amazing. You know, he's reached the pinnacle of his career. And, and uh, yeah. he said, but here's the thing that makes Patrick Mahomes so great. He's constantly striving to learn and get better. Mm. I said, hey, Blaze, did you hear that? Yeah. Did you hear that? Because he's like, Pop Sung will be in the NFL one day. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's the type Poor of spirit please. you have to have. But if leaders would just con- commit themselves to continually learn yeah. and take them, because we're always looking, I think it's so easy 
as a leader, and I've done this so many times, as a leader, you, you begin to look at your team's productivity, you look yeah. at their results, you look at their output, and you get so focused on what's wrong or what's not being done mm. that you take your eyes off of how am I leading them? And I've discovered that many times when something's going wrong, I go, oh, wait a minute, back it up. Yeah. Well, I could have done something to pre- pre- prevent that. Yeah. Uh, there's a guy who wrote a book, Fernand Fuentes, I think's his name. And it's like 18 reasons why employees don't do what they're supposed to do and what to do about it. Mm. And so I saw the book in Barnes & Noble's years ago. I didn't buy it because you don't have to buy it. I just went through the table of contents yeah. and looked at the 18 reasons. Right. And when you read through the 18 reasons, <laughs> over half of them you go, well, that would be my fault. That would be my fault. Yeah, that would be my right. Fault. So there are things I can do. And so I always tell leaders, you know, stop focusing on what you can get out of your team. Come on. Start focusing on what you can put into your team. Wow. If you want more out of your team, put more into your team. Yeah. That's the type of leader I want to be. Wow. Let me ask you this. If there were three traits that you would challenge a young leader, young leader in their 20s, to develop, to really become the leader God wants them to be, what three traits would you tell them to focus on first? Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm asking that question. I'm going, oh, that's a tough question. It is a tough question. (laughs) Uh, I think like I said earlier, um, it's so easy to... um, there, there's no teacher like Jesus. And yeah. so it's so easy just to get your next little leadership fix from Instagram mm-hmm. um, that I would say, I would, I would really encourage a young leader to just fall in love with Jesus. Yeah. Uh, honestly, that's what I'm still working on. Yeah. I love him. <laughs> Me too. I love him. Me too. But I want to hunger. Mm-hmm. I want to be on fire and yeah. just be consuming the word, devouring it. And if you do that, I can't imagine the places mm-hmm. that God will take you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. everything's there. Everything that we need is in that book. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that we really believe that. You know, I, yeah. I don't sometimes. Yeah. I don't operate as if I believe that. Yeah. I go to other, but every other, every other source is a counterfeit to what, or it's, just, it's secondhand to what, what is in that word. And, and I want to, so I would encourage young leaders to learn from him first. Something, you know, I told you 18 months ago, God challenged me to, to, to just spend three years just studying the life of Christ. And so I've laid his life out chronologically yeah. and, and just systematically going through his life. And uh, I heard a guy talking about Bible study the other day, and he put it this way, and I love this. He said, so many of us water ski on top the surface of God's word. I want to mm. go scuba diving. Yes. And so, you know, over the past 18 months, just studying the Jewish culture, the Jewishness of Jesus, the culture, the geography, holy moly. Yeah. Uh, the history, the customs. It's, it's scuba diving down into Jesus' world mm. where I'm going, ah, I didn't understand this about you. I'm sorry. Mm. That's why mm. I said earlier, I'm angry that I haven't, didn't do this earlier. Yeah. Because it's like I'm submerging in the depth of who he is. Yeah. And I'm not pretending to have any depth whatsoever yet. Mm. I just feel like I'm just 10 feet under. But I'm looking down going, there's a lot, there's a lot of depth that I have not covered yet that I'm wow. hungry to go after. Yeah. 
scared to go yeah. after, yeah. excited yeah. to go after. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, I, I love that as your first first thing. Yeah, and I think um, similarly, I mean, my, probably all my answers are going to have to do with just learning, being an aggressive yeah. learner. But based up speaking from personal experience, I would say one of the um, the things I value most now is exposure to different experiences, environments, yes. and cultures. Yes, 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 yeah. My life drastically changed when I started walking into different rooms. Yeah. Um, it's, it can become dangerous if the ministry that you're in or you, whatever, wherever you're leading, serving, if that is, if that's the bubble you stay in mm. and think that like, you can, you know, be a relevant leader and and be like you're mistaken. There is so much to learn outside of your bubble, your church. Like yeah. I'm just gonna say it. Like yeah. yes, God can bring other people to your church to learn from, and you can learn a lot in one house. Yeah. But the things I've learned in different cultures and different leaders around the world, invest in your leadership. Get skin in the game. Like I remember you told me. We all had no money, like no money, and mom forced you to spend five hundred dollars yeah. on a John Maxwell yeah. um, cassette tape, and that's what. And some of these talks I've referred to as hearing his voice on a cassette tape. It's these cassette tapes that you devoured mm -hmm. over and over and over again. I don't know how many times you listened to all of oh, those tapes, right? Dozens, yeah. And I listened to hundred hundred audio tapes in thirty days. That's insane. Yeah, and you are willing to spend about all the money you had to do this, make an investment. And I think like we want it cheap and we want it quick nowadays. And I think that um, some of those trips I made to Atlanta when Brittany and I were paycheck to paycheck to go invest in my songwriting gift mm -hmm. and to get around leaders yeah. that never would have been around, rub shoulders with here yeah. in Charleston. Yeah. Um, but getting to Atlanta and experiencing different atmospheres of worship and leadership and writing and all of that has completely like changed my life. Yeah. And uh, um, I would say, look for opportunities, even like pay for it, like invest in your gift, invest in your leadership. Yes. Yeah. And it, even if they're across the country, start working towards Ask them, can I spend? Can I get coffee with you? Yeah. Maybe it's baby steps. Start small. Yeah. Is there somebody on the other side of town? You know that yeah. you just need to yeah. be like. I wonder how that church operates and what the kind of leader they're like. Let me just get coffee with yeah. them, but get outside your circle. I call it walking with giants. That's what you were referring yeah. to earlier. Yeah. You know, every year, identify you know, two or three giants. Write down ten to fifteen questions. Ask them for an hour. Ask the questions and shut up. Yeah. Ask the questions and listen. So many times when we're in our environment, we're trying to impress that person because yeah. we know they're bigger than us. You yeah. Know? And yeah. Instead of learn from them. Um, uh, but that investing in your own growth, it reminds me of Proverbs 2. Mm. Is pursue wisdom like it's silver and gold. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a sacrifice to go after that. Yeah. But <clears throat> I want to go back to the exposure thing for a minute because I think that's another big one that we overlook yeah. so many times. Uh, when I was doing church planting and we would take guys through church planting assessment, I, I would notice a lot of times these guys had very limited exposure. They'd been in one denomination, lived in one state, yeah. you know, gone to one seminary and been locked into that that culture. Right. And right. and a lot of times I'd say, hey, you're not passing because we want you to go get more exposure. 
and that's threatening. It's scary. Yeah. Uh, it feels dangerous, but it's the very thing Jesus did exactly. to his disciples. Exactly. So in Luke 6, after he invited the 12 into leadership, the first field trip they did, he gets in a boat and they start going across the, uh, the Sea of Galilee. Yeah. Yeah, right. And they're like, where are we going, Jesus? He said, oh, you'll see, you know. And they're thinking, you're heading towards Decapolis. A good Jew doesn't go over there. That's like Las Vegas yeah. of their times, you yeah. know. And and they're rowing that direction. And they're thinking, Jesus, we've heard horror stories about this place. We, we should not be going there. A good Jew doesn't go there. And he pulls up on the shore. Hmm. And what happens? A naked, bleeding man comes running, screaming out of the tombstones, down the hill, screaming at them. And, and Luke records it and says, and Jesus got out of the boat. Mm. <laughs> Doesn't say the disciple. They're sitting in a boat. Yeah, going, yeah, hey, chill Peter, it. get these rows ready. Yeah, man. We're yeah, going to yeah. get out. Let of him take care of those. Yeah. But he's exposing them to mm. something they would not be exposed at in their culture. On the other side, yeah. yeah. On the other side. And then they watch him have a conversation with a thousand demons in this yeah. man. And next thing you know, the man is clothed. How's he clothed? They're out in the middle of nowhere. Jesus probably took his outer garment and wrapped that man mm. in it. The man is now in his right man, his right mind. He's clothed. And the disciples are going, you've got to be kidding me. Mm. And the people show up and, wow. and they're like marveling at what's going on. And the disciples are just taking all this in. They're in brand new leaders. First field trip. Hmm. They're blown away. Jesus is exposing them to something that's stretching their thinking. Hmm. And we got to do more of that. And and when, when it was all over with, they got in a boat and went back over. The whole reason they went over. Wow. There's only one reason they went over. And I love it too because the man said, Jesus, can I get in the boat and go with you? And Jesus said, no, you can't. I want you to stay and tell your story. Wow. Stay and tell your story. <laughs> Next time Jesus went back in that area, wow. a small group showed up and said, Hey, Jesus, this man's blind. Can you heal him? Next time Jesus showed up in that area, 4,000 people showed up to listen to him teach. <laughs> Where'd they come from? Wow. Come from that man. Wow. And each time he went back, the disciples were going, Whoa. Wow. That dude's one powerful evangelist. Yeah. <laughs> Started a small group and ended up with a crowd. Well, but I'll, it's exposure. I'll, this kind of links me to what I would say my last thing I would encourage people to do, which I'll say it and then I'll kind of say why. Um, a young leader, I would encourage them to dream. Oh, yeah. And it sounds pretty <clears throat> obvious, but I think that I just run into too many young guys and girls, young leaders, and it's like they've already just been so discouraged to dream bigger. Mm -hmm. My boss here for a season, Tara Banks, she would always say, don't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling. <laughs> and um, I, when I think about dreams, I think about Tony Brown, who's been leading this Maverick City music thing, the founder of it. That man dreams more than, mm -hmm. uh, which ironic because he doesn't sleep much because he's such a workhorse. <laughs> I mean, but he has so many dreams. And one of his dreams talking about exposure, led me inside of a prison. Mm. And we made a record, um, not in one day popping in to just 
say we record it in the prison and we spent a week in prison, mm. mo- the majority of every single day, like nine o'clock till six o'clock or something like that, mm. spent time with these men, learned from them, loved on them. They mm. changed our lives. Wow. If it wasn't for Tony's dream, I don't know that I could say that that would be an opportunity I ha- I would have had or I would have pursued. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about doing leadership with other people around you is you get caught up in their dreams and you get to be a part of it, your Mm -hmm. fingerprints on it. You get to be a part of things that you never would have thought possible um, when you're around other people and you're sharpening each other and you're encouraging and pushing each other forward. And I got got caught in the wake Mm -hmm. of a Tony dream that exposed me to something. And now the most beautiful thing is because of that exposure, and loving on those guys because we did that. Guys have since gotten out of prison, been released, and they're starting their dreams of hosting other uh, guys who are fresh out of jail, getting them rehabilitated into society, getting jobs and all that kind of stuff. And we even brought some of those guys on the tour with us since the time we recorded till when we were out there. And it just, you know, that just kind of made me think of that. Like what, you know, just terrifying mm. going to a place that never been before have no idea what it's really going to be like could be really rough surprisingly and of course they were amazing people of course they are yeah like and you what was so beautiful is like man i sense the call of god on so many of their lives you know mm. and but you just have these preconceived ideas you know of what it's going to be like yeah. and man it came out those six days like they were my brothers you know and uh and now to see um them coming out and and pursuing their dreams and all because Mm. this you know tony had a dream to do a record in Mm. a prison and love on these guys and Mm. and so yeah dreamers tend to give birth to dreamers yeah yeah i'm going to answer the question three things but uh i'm going to do it instead of for young leader i'm going to for old old guys love it the old guys Yeah. yeah yeah Uh, first get comfortable with failure (laughs) get comfortable with failure Um, I had a young guy I was speaking at a conference young 24 year old stood up and said I love everything you're saying man I want to grow like that but I'm in a I'm in a church or a culture where everybody's a lot older than me and they're telling me I have to earn my stripes and that I gotta wait my turn Mm. and I looked at him and I said, I am so sorry. On mm. behalf of my generation, I'm so sorry that they're wow. doing this to you. You should be set free. You should be failing. Yeah. You, know? yeah. you should be failing all over the place under the under a safe place, you know. Yeah. I remember Ernest, you know, I mentored Ernest, who mentored you. And I was talking to Ernest one day and he was wrestling with something about doing something. I said, Do it. He said, it's awful risky. I said, I don't care. You shared it with me. If if it fails, I'll take the blame. If it succeeds, you got you get you get the yeah, credit, you yeah, know. But I want yeah. you to do this, you know. Yeah. Take that chance. I think we got to get more comfortable with wow. failure. Um, <clears throat> second thing I would say for older guys is when you enter into a relationship, a development relationship with yeah. a young leader, ask them to mentor you. Hmm. Mentoring is a two-way relationship. Wow. Actually, mentor is a three-way relationship. Yeah. It's what God tells me about you, but but it should also come back to me. You know, I'm, I'm mentoring a young guy right now, and every time we sit down together, I, I'm learning so much from him. 
and 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 I tell him that. Mm. And I want to. And first time we ever sat down, I said, "Hey, I want this to be a co-learning relationship." Yeah. And then the third thing I would say: have a spirit worth catching. Oh man, I have love that. Have a spirit that. worth catching, and. If the Holy Spirit isn't producing the fruit of the Spirit in me, I'm not going to have a spirit worth catching. Wow. And so I believe Jesus was so attractive hmm. because he was saying things nobody else was saying. He was doing things nobody else was saying. You look at his first miracle, all right? His first miracle, the wedding at Cana. Yeah. This blows me away. Here, this bridegroom is supposed to be the one that spends a year or two getting a house ready for his wife, uh, preparing for that wedding day, making sure there's enough wine and food for the for the one week w- uh, wedding celebration, and it runs short. Yeah, you know. And Jesus' mom says, "Hey, you got to do something about this." And so he says, "All right, fill these six stone pots with water." And, and, he, and he turns the water into wine, and there's just so much symbolism in this. It's insane. But, but here's, here's the thing I'm getting to. At the end of that passage in, in John, it says Jesus showed his glory. Mm-hmm. He showed, he demonstrated his glory. That's no small thing. He was demonstrating, this is all throwback to the messianic banquet that everybody was anticipating. It was all a foreshadowing of yeah. all this. And, and, and Jesus turns the water into wine. He performs this incredible miracle that saves this guy's tail end, you yeah. know, yeah. And keeps the party going yeah. and all yeah. that. Who knew about it? The servants mm. and his disciples and his mom. He's establishing a culture right there with his key leaders, what would be his key leaders. They weren't at that point. They were just followers. Wow. But he's saying, hey, look, I'm going to involve the servants in this miracle because my ministry is all about servanthood. I'm not going to make a big deal out of this and let everybody know. You know, the host of this wedding, the groom himself, he doesn't have to know because it's about humility. Yeah. I'm taking these stone water pots, which are ritual purification pots, Fill him with wine, which is a symbol of joy, because you're no longer going to need those ritual purification, because all that's going to be over with. Dang. I'm filling it with my blood, and it's an abundance of an abundance of grace that he demonstrated towards that bridegroom, and that bridegroom may not even known how to happen. Yeah, right. You know, and I was telling mom about this the other day. I was like, "Guy's a loser. <laughs> he was a loser. Je- Jesus rescued his sorry butt." Yeah. He should have been prepared, but he wasn't. Yeah. Mom's like, oh, you're being too harsh on him. But he's me. Yeah. He is me. Wow. I fall short. Wow. I've not done all the preparation. Dang. And Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to rescue your sorry, <laughs> yeah. boy, Mac. You don't deserve it. You're making a mess of this banquet. Yeah. Because you didn't, you're not good enough. So I will step in. Jesus steps into the responsibility of the bridegroom. Wow. In that moment. And fills the ritual pots with water which turns them into wine which symbolizes joy an abundance of grace on that bridegroom an abundance of joy for all those who participated Mm. but he did it with humility and quietness and he did it with the servants were the only ones that do at the disciples and they were like whoa and that blows me away so he right from the beginning of his ministry he's creating a culture 
And that's what we have to do as leaders. What mm. type of, as generational leaders, I gotta be asking the question, not just what results do, what do I wanna accomplish with my life? What results do I wanna get? No, 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 no. What culture am I creating mm. for the team that God is bringing around me so we can do something that only God can do in us and through us? And let's do it together. And man, I think if we would take that approach to leadership, it's going to be more fun. Yeah. And we're going to see God work, yeah. not just the results of our work. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Generational Leadership Limited Series. My name's Mike, and here at Multiply Group, our aim is for these conversations to go beyond simple dialogue. We want them to inspire action. So what's your action step from today's episode? Maybe you're just curious about Multiply Group, and if so, we'd love for you to visit us at multiplygroup.org. And while you're there, you'll discover that we offer a free 30-minute call to help you identify your best next step in your own leadership development or the teams or organization that you lead. Once again, thank you for tuning into the episode. We're looking forward to having you join us for the next one.